Welcome to the Sea Film Podcast. I'm Scott Higgins, director of the College of Film and the Moving Image at Wesleyan University. Today, we have a short guest podcast by Ben Modell. Ben teaches our course on silent storytelling, and he blogged about it for us in November 2018 on the Sea Film blog. He is also one of the leading silent film composers and accompanists working in the U.S. today, and he's been creating and performing musical scores for silent movies for over 30 years. He plays piano, theater organ. He's written orchestral scores. He's also the resident silent accompanist at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, and he's been there for over a quarter century. He regularly plays at classic film festivals around the U.S. and in Norway and performs at universities, museums, and historic theaters. In addition to being an accompanist, Ben is a film historian and preservationist. He's curated a set of DVDs through his own label called Undercrank Productions. The DVDs include the terrific Ernie Kovacs collection DVD box set that was released for Shout Factory and the great series of DVDs called Accidentally Preserved, Rare and Lost Silent Films. His latest project is the release on DVD of 12 slapstick comedies by Alice Howell, one of the great woman comedians of the silent era whose work had been all but forgotten. Ben worked with the Library of Congress to find, restore, and make available her films that were made between 1914 and 1925, and she's hilarious. The DVD is called the Alice Howell Collection, and it's available at all DVD sellers. But today, Ben is going to talk to us about another silent comedian, a comedian who we don't generally think of as silent, W.C. Fields. In our last two podcasts, Janine Basinger and I watched and laughed at and generally appreciated Fields' 1934 film, It's a Gift. We spent a lot of time talking about Fields' verbal comedy, his mastery of the soundtrack and of timing a joke. And he developed this over his years on stage in vaudeville. But Ben pointed out to us that Fields also starred in silent era films. And as our resident silent comedy expert, he offered to share his thoughts on Fields and his silent career. Greetings across whatever you listen to MP3s on. This is Ben Modell, a visiting professor Ben Modell of the College of Film and the Moving Image at Wesleyan University. I'm a silent film historian and accompanist and composer, film programmer, and a DVD label, but it's mainly in my capacity as a historian and also accompanist that I am ensconced in the Powell Cinema once a week at Wesleyan. I teach a course called Silent Storytelling in which we trace the development of the storytelling language of cinema, which happened almost entirely during what we call the silent film era. A few weeks ago, in my hotel room in Boise, Idaho, where I was attending the rehearsals and then the performance of an orchestral score for Harold Lloyd's Grandma's Boy, which I had composed and compiled, I listened to part one of the C-Film podcast about It's a Gift with Scott Higgins and Janine Basinger. Here's the thing that seems a little odd considering how vocal and verbal W.C. Fields and his humor is and what a specific sound and pacing there is to the, the dialogue comedy in his films is, is that W.C. Fields made several films during the silent film era. Now, at the time, W.C. Fields was a big, big comedy star, the headliner at the Ziegfeld Follies in, on Broadway in New York City. And in the 1920s, and even in the teens, 
they weren't called silent movies. It was just movies. And if you were a big star, why well, maybe there was a chance for you to make it big in pictures as well. Fields had made a couple of short films in 1915. Only one of them survives, a film called Pool Sharks, which was basically made as a showcase for his famous, at the time, pool game routine. However, uh, Florence Ziegfeld did not want to give away the store and would not let the filmmakers use W.C. Fields' famous trick pool table for the sequence in which the pool game takes place. And so the trick shots that are seen in the film are done through uh, stop-motion animation, such as it could be done in 1915. That film survives and can be found in versions of varying degrees of quality on YouTube and on some DVDs. It wasn't until another nine years had passed that Fields wound up in film again uh, in a supporting role in a Marion Davies film called Janice Meredith. He doesn't have a lot to do, but he's in the film the following year uh, with D.W. Griffith, now a contract director at Paramount. Uh, Griffith directs him in a film called Sally of the Sawdust, which is based on the play Poppy, which Fields was in on Broadway. And this was followed by a film also directed by Griffith called That Royal Girl, which is missing. Sally of the Sawdust does survive, and it's there are people who really like it, um, and there are people who find it okay. D.W. Griffith is to screen comedy what D.W. Griffith is to screen comedy. Um, it was never uh, something he was really that good at, and it shows uh, in Sally of the Sawdust, Fields will do pieces of his stage act, uh, sometimes almost arbitrarily. There's a moment in the middle of the climactic chase where he stops to do a whole routine with uh, misplacing his hat, getting it stuck on his cane, that completely derails the forward momentum of the chase. Nonetheless, it's it's a, a fun document of Fields in 1925 doing some of his juggling. Fields was a big star and he was put under contract for Paramount and made a number of films in the late 20s for Paramount. And the first few were based on his sketches that he had done in the Follies with uh, a storyline sort of draped around it in varying to varying degrees of success. And the first one is It's the Old Army Game, which is basically later on remade as It's a Gift. Uh, it's the same setting. He has a different character name. He's Elmer Pretty Willy, uh, who owns a pharmacy, and his daughter is played by none other than Louise Brooks, who at the time, in 1926, was a contract player at Paramount. One of the advantages to uh, Paramount's having an East Coast studio in Astoria is that they could hire people who were on the stage to come on out in the daytime and work on a film. And it's the old army game uh, pretty much is rather similar to It's a Gift in that a lot of the sequences that were uh, filmed versions of his pieces of his stage act wound up in the film. So the whole back porch sequence uh, is in there. Um, a number of the sequences in the pharmacy uh, without the light bulbs and Mr. Muckle uh, are there intact uh, and much as you see them in the sound film. After these two films, um, Fields is then teamed with diminutive comedian Ch Chester Conklin, uh, 
who is you know a full head shorter than him. Uh, you may know the name. Uh, he Chester Conklin is in tons of Keystone comedies. Uh, the small uh, glasses and a big walrus mustache. Uh, he is the factory worker who is alongside Charlie Chaplin in modern times when during the strike they go in to try and repair the machinery. This may very well have happened because in 1927 Laurel and Hardy popped and everybody jumped on the comedy team bandwagon pairing one large comedian with a smaller one hoping lightning would strike a second time. Uh, The films that Fields and Conklin made together are Lost Uh, So we'll never know if it was just the times or if it just wasn't there. Fields also, in his silent era films, wears the trademark clip-on mustache that he wore on stage. By clip-on, I mean it clips on to the underside of his nose. Uh, This may have been unusual to see uh, for an audience in the late 20s who were used to seeing, by that point, uh, people wearing more realistic makeup. Uh, the failure of the films or their not being so popular may very well have had something to do with uh, Fields' own on-screen persona being a little out of step with the zippity-doo, roaring 20s upbeat mood, uh, something that also most probably is a major factor in Buster Keaton's being a distant third in popularity after Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd. But Paramount was... A studio that would do this sort of thing, uh, sign a popular comedian from the stage. And again, because it was just movies at that time, even if someone was known for uh, jokes and dialogue comedy, they would hire someone like Eddie Cantor uh, to make a few silent films. Uh, and they would do as well as they could. Fields went on to make a few short films in the early 1930s and play in supporting roles as part of an ensemble as well as doing a short run of two real comedies at Max Senate's which again drew heavily on Fields' own vaudeville acts uh, from the Ziegfeld Follies. Films like The Fatal Glass of Beer and The Dentist were largely based around his vaudeville routines uh, as was The Golf Specialist which was a very cheaply made short shot in Fort Lee, New Jersey in 1930, whose second reel is primarily his golf game sketch. What's interesting about his films is that the silent ones still work, and it may be that we know Fields from his later films and can almost hear his persona and hear his voice as he's speaking to customers and dealing with people on that back porch when we watch Uh, It's the old army game. They do hold up rather well, even without all the dialogue and the inflections and everything. Uh, The timing is still there. It's something he's worked out with the pacing and everything uh, day after day, uh, show after show in the Follies, knowing exactly how to pace things and uh, what kind of facial expressions to use to to convey his disgruntlement with what's going on. What's interesting, I find, about the silent and sound films is uh, there is actually a a balance, not much of it, uh, to the acerbic uh, and nastiness that he's more known for and is much more present in the films. Um, it leaks out here and there. Uh, for instance, in It's a Gift, uh, when he's having the difficulty with the light bulbs, he does he does call Mister Muckle honey. 
uh, over and over. He keeps calling Mr. Muckle Honey. Uh, and, and in a number of the films, Fields has a daughter or a niece or a young ward who he's uh, very protective of. Uh, we see this in It's the Old Army Game and Soul's Your Old Man and the remakes of them. And we see it in, 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 in as well in So's Your Old Man. Um, there's a moment which also is in the remake in uh, The Man on the Flying Trapeze where he's on a train trip across the country and he encounters a woman who, the, as the audience, we know she's a, fam- she's a, a wealthy princess and she's got a bottle of iodine on the table to mend a cut. Uh, he sees her and thinks she's just a woman who's attempted suicide and in both the silent and sound versions, uh, has this uh, moment, this very sweet moment of uh, trying to talk her out of taking her own life. The last film that Fields makes, uh, Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, which is also kind of a Dada masterpiece. It's a film about Fields trying to make a film at a studio where we see him have meetings with people, but we also see the crazy scenes in his head from the film he's trying to make. Um, uh, but his there's a young woman in the film, uh, Glory, played by Gloria Jean, who, if you couldn't get a hold of Deanna Durbin, you got Gloria Jean, this beautiful young woman with a beautiful singing voice, and she he is her uncle Bill, and uh, he's you know very concerned about her welfare. Um, but I say it, it you know the the sweetness, and it's something that I hadn't really paid attention to. But I've done a number of shows accompanying. Either it's the old army game or So's Your Old Man, uh, shows that were introduced by his granddaughter, Harriet. And W.C. Fields passed away before Harriet was born, and she never met him in person. But it is, oddly enough, something she mentions in introducing the films that there's this sweetness. And you, I always wonder what, where, you know, where is this sweetness? He's, he's just uh, really annoyed with just about everybody he has to deal with. But there are these little moments with his daughter or niece or Princess Lescabour, I think is the name, uh, on the train. And if you really look for them, they're, they're, they're there. Uh, they're, not, they're not omnipresent and over- overarching, but they're, they're absolutely there. Um, W.C. Field's films are, are delightful and they're timeless and the humor of it is, is uh, uh, of the human comedy. They're not uh, locked in their time. Uh, and I think that... Uh, you really do well to take a look at them. Uh, a box set of them uh, was released by uh, Universal, who owns the rights to those Paramount films, uh, a year or two ago. And if you have access to a DVD player, and I encourage you to to pick up the set and watch them, watch them with some people. Um, the, the, the comedy sequences just hold up really, really, really well. And I hope you have fun rediscovering W.C. Fields, both in sound and also in silent films, because I can tell you that both Running Wild and It's the Old Army Game were released last year in new uh, digital restorations, uh, and I recorded a theater organ score for the Blu-ray release of It's the Old Army Game. Thanks for listening. This is Ben Modell, visiting professor of film at the College of Film and the Moving Image at Wesleyan University. You can find me online at silentfilmmusic.com as well as on Twitter and Instagram at at silentfilmmusic. Thanks, and I'll see you at the silence. 
Thank you for listening to the C Film Podcast. If you enjoyed that, you maybe want to check out Ben Modell's own podcast, which is called the Silent Film Music Podcast, and it's available on Stitcher and on Apple Podcasts. And of course, check out previous episodes of the C Film Podcast, available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs>